0: But I wanted to kind of stay in this uh, this vein of thinking about what it means to be family and to raise children. Uh, one of the questions that I received seemed to fit really well into this series that we've been in uh, called Asking for a Friend. And uh, this will be our last uh, message from that series, Asking for a Friend. And we've had two objectives through this entire series. Number one, has been to try to help you formulate solid theology about the things of God, the questions that come up in your life. How do, you, how do you find the answers? Because they're out there. And number two has been, let's create a space within the body of believers, of all of us, that it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to have a question about God because questions don't send God running in fear and they shouldn't send us running in fear either. And so it's really been my hope through this series and I've really appreciated uh, all of the questions that were submitted uh, in the time that we've been doing this series. I've had so many more of you submit questions and uh, I haven't fully decided yet. I know we'll probably do this series again next year, uh, but may also do some, some videos here and there to try to tackle some of those other questions that I did not get to in this series. But the one that I thought was really good for today is this question. How can you teach your children to follow Jesus? How do you teach your children to follow Jesus? And I want to kind of just preface this in a couple of thoughts here in the very beginning. Because I don't want this to be a condemning message. Because here's two things that I have observed. Number one, I've seen parents who are incredible people. They love Jesus with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. They serve the Lord with all they've got. And for whatever reason, their children grow up and decide not to follow God. It's it's heartbreaking. I've talked to so many of those parents that their hearts are broken because their kids aren't following God. Now, on the flip side, I've seen some of the worst parents you've ever met in your life. And you wonder to yourself, how did you get your parenting card? And then you look at them And they raise children that decide for whatever reason to just be totally sold out and on fire for God. And and so while I want to talk about this input today, I don't want to say it from this place of condemnation. It's not to say that it's a recipe. You do this, 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 and this, and it's going to happen. It's not to say that if you fail to do this, 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 and this, your kids are doomed. The reality is we have a part to play, but we also need a lot of prayer. And it takes a lot of prayer. And also, you know, I know some of you, you know, my kids are grown. I don't have kids. I have grandkids. And and grandchildren are a different thing, okay? Unfortunately, when you're the grandparent, you don't get quite as much say as you would like sometimes, I'm sure. But... You can still pray for your grandchildren, pray for your neighbors, pray for the kids in our school district, pray for your nieces and nephews and cousins, all of these things. God has a plan for them. But I wanted to hit this, and first I wanted to give you a resource that I found that is really helpful, uh, but it's called Sticky Faith. Um, The idea of everyday ideas to hold last to build lasting faith in your family. would really encourage you, if you're somebody who likes to read, would like to know more on this topic of, of how can we put more God into our family so that our kids will grow up to know Jesus. Really great resources that I would highly recommend. But I wanted to hit a couple of statistics that you'll find in these books because I think they're really uh, challenging, but also scary. They're a reality we just need to face, okay? Number one is this. 40 to 50% of kids who were in a youth group when they graduate from high school, go on to abandon their faith in college. I want you to think about that for a second. That means if we had 20 kids in our youth group and we lined them up on the stage, we would say 10 of them are going to walk away from God when they leave this place. That's heartbreaking. Number two, 80% of those who walked away did not intend to do so. They really thought to themselves, when I go to college, I need to maintain a relationship with God. I want to be close to God and do everything that I can. But they fell away from faith in that process. Number three, 30 to 60% that do fall away from God will return in their late 20s. Now, again, I say that to be encouraging to some sense. If you have a kid that's in that age group, don't panic, keep praying. God has a plan for them. These are some of the things that really were startling to me. 28% of college students have hookup or sexual relationships with 10 plus partners by the time they graduate from college. The average college student that is a senior in college has been with seven different people throughout college. They're experimenting sexually. And we see this playing out uh, in gender identity and also in homosexuality on a high level right now. And number six, over 90% of youth group grads go on to experiment with alcohol in college. And here's really the reason why, um, number one here in our takeaways, many young people are losing their battle for their faith out of loneliness, peer pressure, and a lack lack of depth. Here's what they find. They get to college and they don't know anybody, but they get invited to a party. So they go to a party to to meet some people, to make some friends, to start to build community. And they're told, hey, if you drink this, if you try this, if you do that, you'll be part of us. And under that peer pressure, they give into that and they do it. Number two, a majority of students are experimenting with sex, drugs, and alcohol. They are trying to find their way in life, what they think, what they believe. And for, for whatever reason... They're looking at it from a worldly standpoint. Well, I know that my parents always said this, but everybody else in the world is saying this. Number three, 50% of the youth group grads that leave home were unsure of the role that faith plays in their lives. Now, when I look at some of these statistics, I'm tempted to be a little fearful. I'm a parent with three children. And I look at them and I look at their future and I think to myself, what's going to become of them? How can I build in them lasting faith that's going to go beyond, well, yeah, we went to church when I was a kid. Because we've all met people like that. Maybe you're here today and that's your story. I went to church when I was a kid. You know, we did that all the time. I just didn't really like it, fell away from it, whatever. I don't want that for my kids. I want them to have a strong, committed relationship with Jesus. I will tell you this, and I believe this wholeheartedly. There is nothing that compares to the power of a praying parent. And and please, parents, don't ever feel like that is a weak weapon in your arsenal. Pray for your kids. I am telling you with absolute certainty that if not for my mother praying for me, I don't believe I would be a pastor today. I would not be here. My life would be vastly different. I can't tell you how many times the Holy Spirit ratted me out to my mom in the middle of the night. It's so, it was so frustrating to me. I'd be in the living room or the kitchen, and my mom would literally walk up behind me and say, what were you doing last night? I'd be like, what do you know? <laughs> She'd say, I know that the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night and told me to start praying for you. I'm like, that dirty rat. What details did he give you? But I'm so grateful my mom did. She got out of her bed and she got on her hands and knees and prayed for her son without knowing what was going on, but just knowing the Holy Spirit told me right now, I've got to pray a covering over my son. And I don't believe I'd be here if it wasn't for that prayer. So I encourage you, keep praying for your kids, pray for your grandkids, pray for your children. But here's something that was really interesting out of this book. And Before we get into scripture, I just really wanted to read this because this kind of sets the stage on what we're going to talk about for the rest of our time together here. It says most teenagers and their parents may not realize it, but a lot of research in the sociology of religion suggests that the most important influence in shaping young people's religious lives is the religious life modeled and taught to them by their parents. Now, if you have teenage children, I will testify, they don't often think that you are the smartest person they've ever met. In fact, it's amazing that as your children get older, you get dumber. You just don't know anything anymore. You used to be super cool and smart and know how to fix and do everything. Now you literally know nothing. I mean, I've heard from other parents. That's what it's like. It's not that way in my house. I also know this, that as a parent, you probably hear pretty regularly Nobody else thinks that way. Nobody else cares about what you care about. Nobody else thinks the way that you think. And all I've ever told my kids is, well, you're just blessed to have a mom and a dad that love you that much. It is difficult in the world that we live in to feel like you're just one voice among many. But there's more to it than just being a voice. I wanted to show you a couple of things here in Proverbs before we get to, the, to Ephesians. But there are a number of things that the book of Proverbs speaks in regards to parenting. What we, you know, how do we parent our children? Proverbs thirteen thirty four says, those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Now, don't get me wrong here. I, I want to be very clear that the idea of the rod of discipline is, discipline is not the same as abuse, and abuse is not the same as discipline. Abusing someone is not disciplining them, but when you discipline them, it's not abusing them. I will never forget the first time My little uh, 12, 13 month old daughter was touching something and I was telling her the word no, but that word didn't mean anything. So I took her hand and what she was touching and I grabbed it and I went like this. Her face melted. She looked at me like she just couldn't believe that dad had just struck her hand. But here's the reality. I needed her to understand the word no because I, I've got to protect her. When I, when I say no, it's because it's protection. I don't want you to get hurt. 29.15 says, to discipline a child produces wisdom, but a mother is disgraced by an undisciplined child. 29.17 says, discipline your children and they will give you peace. They will bring you the delights you desire. And 1 8 through 9 says, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. He's saying, Parents, we have a responsibility to our kids. And where we see this the most, I can't read the whole thing because it's pretty lengthy, is in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. You probably have all heard in the middle of that where it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. and all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. You've heard this before? Great. This is parental instruction that is being given in the book of Proverbs. He's saying to them, teach your kids these things. And there are a number of takeaways in just those, that verse right there, are th- those verses. Number one, it says that parents are responsible for teaching their children through their example. Number two, it says that godly instruction adds length to your child's life, meaning that when we choose to discipline our kids, we're adding length to their years. You're welcome. That's all I can say. Number three, loyalty and kindness should abound in our hearts. Number four, teach your children to trust the Lord and seek Him. Number five, to seek God's wisdom over man's wisdom. Number six, to honor God with their wealth. Number seven, to delight in God's discipline. And, and this is kind of the fulcrum here. Number eight is to teach your children the connection between discipline and love. God tells us of Himself that He only disciplines those that He loves. But unfortunately, we have a lot of people that, because they didn't really experience discipline as children, when they experience the discipline of God at some point in their lives, they think, God hates me. God hates me. He's mad at me. But there's a connection between discipline and love. I only discipline my children because I love them. I don't discipline your children because it's your job to love them. We, we have that responsibility for our own children, and God says, I place, place this on parents. So Proverbs 22, verses 5 and 6 gives us this picture. It says, corrupt people walk on a thorny and treacherous road. Whoever values life will avoid this road, right? Then the next verse says, direct your children onto the right road, and when they are older, they will not leave it. We just read this a minute ago in our, in our baby dedication here. There is a reality... That wickedness that abounds is going to lead to a thorny road, meaning a place that's very uncomfortable, difficult to traverse. And he says, parents, do yourselves and your children a favor. Put them on the right path when they're young and teach them so that when they're older, they won't have to go through those things. Okay. Lastly, I wanted to finish with this here, and this is going to be the fulcrum of what we look at here. In Ephesians 6, 1-4, it says this. Children Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. Again, great tip here. You don't need diet and exercise. Just honor your parents. Praise the Lord. Verse 3 and 4, parents, and and I changed the word there. A lot of translations say the word fathers. Uh, The reality is that in most other languages outside of English, if you have a group of people and there are 300 women and one men, the the group would be called men because the plural is always going to be masculine if there's even one. So it really, it is parents, not just saying fathers. But parents, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. I want us to really see here that one of the great challenges that we'll always face in parenting is to try to get our kids to do things that we might not do ourselves. That we're telling them, don't yell at each other while yelling at them for yelling at each other. Anybody ever been there? And I just want to say this, you know, to get this out in the open here. I'm not talking about parenting today from a place of like I'm batting a 1,000 and you guys are on level 4. It's mostly some days from a place where I'm like on level 3 or 2 myself. There are days that my wife and I, before we close our eyes at night, we just look at each other and we go, what are we doing wrong? (laughs) We have a statement that we say to each other on the regular once to twice a day where we'll be frustrated when we look at each other and we just go, I don't think we should have kids. Mm -mm. So please, when I'm talking about this, please, please don't think that I'm saying it from the place of like, I'm the greatest parent that is in this room. My wife and I, we're getting it right every single day. Listen, I'm living with the same struggles that you are with your kids. I'm living with it every day, but still wanting to bring godliness into that. Am I getting it right every time? No. But do I want to keep doing it? Yes. And so when it says, parents, don't exasperate your children This idea that comes out of this is don't put demands on them that you're not doing yourself. Don't ask them to act in a way that goes against the way that you act. Don't ask them to be gracious and compassionate, merciful and forgiving if you're not going to be gracious, compassionate, merciful and forgiving. Don't do this to your kids because they won't be able to do it. We know that 90% of what we learn is from what we see. I can tell you all day long in words what these things are, what what it means, what matters, but you will decide from the actions I display what I really believe. So what it's talking about here and kind of going back to that idea behind sticky faith is the difference between God being something that you do and faith in God being part of who you are. And there is a vast difference, and please hear me in this, There is a big difference between going to church and being the church. There is a difference between reading the Bible and living the Bible. There is a difference between knowing God and serving God. These are the big differences that we want to point to in what it means to raise our children in a godly manner. Listen, God has to come up in ways that probably go against your thinking sometimes. And again, I'm not saying this to be condemning to any of our parents, but probably a lot of us think, well, the best way to get godliness into our kids is to make them sit down every day, we'll read the Bible together, we'll pray together, and we'll do all of that. That's great, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those things, but there needs to be more than that. God has to be in the middle of everything. When you sit down to a meal, I know there's always the temptation, God is great, God is good, thank you for this food, amen. Right, I've heard, good food, good meat, good God, let's eat. <laughs> right? No, if you take the time with your kids to say, no, this is a time where we don't just say some perfunctory prayer, we take this time to say, God, we, we acknowledge you as the one who gave us everything that we have. We acknowledge you. God, it was you who provided for our needs. You who took care of us. And it's in a million little things that we do and, and, and finding ways to infuse faith in everything that we're doing, decisions that we have to make as a family, decisions that you make as a mom and a dad. And, and, and I get too that there's this difficulty for some of you, maybe you're you know, a husband or a wife and you really want to lead your children a certain way, but you and your spouse, you're just not on the same page. And I get the difficulty of that. I've watched it. And I see the frustration, but continue to be godly for your kids. Church, it scares me when I read statistics that a number of kids are falling away from their faith in Jesus just because mom and dad aren't there to take them to church, to make them do these things, to make them be a part of it anymore. That's scary to me. And the the challenge for us then becomes what kind of example are we giving our children to learn from? What are we giving them? What are we showing them? What are we displaying for them? How can we better display what it means to follow God every single day, not just on Sunday? Not just, okay, well, it's time to dress up, you know, and and listen, we've all been there. Thankfully, I don't ride with my family to church in the morning because when I was a kid, there was a lot of fighting that happens on that car ride. And then you get to the church and you open the door and everybody's just like, all right, get inside. And then the first person you see go, hey, how are you? And your kids are behind you going right? I get that struggle and I get that it's real. But I also think this, we need to be a little more open about our struggle. Can I, can I just help you with this for a second? You don't know a parent who's doing it perfectly. You don't know one. You might look at parents and think they're better at it than you. You can probably look at some parents and you think they're worse at it than you. The reality is God has called us to live as godly examples for our children. And the way that we model that example for God is super important because that's what they're going to learn from. They're not gonna learn from you telling them you need to pray. They're gonna learn from you taking them and say, let's sit down and pray together. They're not gonna learn you need to go to church. They're gonna learn when you say, let's go to church together. They're not going to learn worship by you saying, hey, when there was a worship service going on, make sure you do that. You're gonna have to worship with them You're going to have to show them. You're going to have to display these things. And I know, I mean, and this is especially true, uh, we we see this in a number of people now that it's like, well, I don't want to be heavy handed on my kids. I, I don't want to force them into church. I don't want to force them into godliness because if I do that, that might turn them off from God and then they'll turn their back on God. Listen, all the statistics would say that that's wrong. You're not going to turn your kids off to God by being godly. This fear that has crept into us that, are, well, if, if I make my kids go to church, then they're not going to love God. Listen, I was made to go to church every time the doors were open when I was a kid. I don't hate God because of it. And the statistics point to that as a reality as we model that for God, model that for our children, that it changes them. Church, this is something we have to take seriously. I don't know about you, but I don't want my kids to grow up and walk away from God. I don't think you do either. But it's more than just what we say, it's what we do, it's who we are. You know, I'm constantly met with this idea as a challenge to me personally, and I'm going to speak from the perspective of a father here for a second. God references himself in Scripture as our father. When I look at that statement, can I tell you, I've met people who the idea of God being a father to them is a major turnoff because their dad was a terrible person. They're like, my dad was a terrible, he was abusive. He would talk down to me. He was this, this, this. And if that's what God is, I have no desire for somebody else like that in my life. I don't want anything like that. And can I tell you, it really challenges me as a dad to think, my kids are learning about the character of God through the way that I treat them. My kids are learning what Father God means in the way that their earthly father is treating them. And I can either be a help or a hurt to that. And that really challenges me as a dad. And I would love again to tell you, I'm getting it right every single day. You can ask my kids. No, please don't. I don't, can't even imagine what they would say. But that challenge that remains inside of us that we don't give up on, that we continue to say, this matters. I can't excuse it. This matters. I've got to give my kids the opportunity to get into the Word of God, to pray, to worship, to have fellowship with other believers. Listen, I can tell my kids church doesn't matter, but if I don't take them to church, it doesn't matter. They're going to say it doesn't matter because we didn't go. And then parents are shocked when their kids grow up and they're like, yeah, well, they don't go to church anymore. Well, yeah, we didn't take them. Church, it's a challenge that we all have to accept. I just want to challenge you in this, whether you're a parent, maybe your kids are grown, Maybe you're a grandparent, or you just have kids in your life, or maybe you haven't had kids yet. We all are called to display that character of God for the world around us. And one of the things I found interesting in this uh, as I was studying Ephesians is the idea of what it means to be a child. Ephesians says, children obey your parents. Well, there are three ways that children can be interpreted in that scripture from a cultural standpoint. One is the Greek term. If you are Greek, your parents are your parents and you are considered a child until they die. You don't become an adult until your parents die, right? So if your parents are still living, you're still a child. In the Roman world, they made it a little easier, a little more flexible. They changed it to you are a child until you're 60. I don't know where they came up with this arbitrary number, but I guess they were thinking, surely by then your parents have to be dead. But 60 years old, in the Roman culture, you are a child until you are 60 years old. In the Jewish culture, there's no age limit. For as long as your parents are living, you are their child. And there is a call for us to honor our parents and honor their instruction and to take care of all of these things and all of it matters. Displaying all of it, caring for all of it matters. Church, we're not perfect, but we can't use that as an excuse to say, oh, well, we tried. We tried. We've got to allow God to challenge us every day to get more and more closer to Him to display the example of who He is. Because believe it or not, it doesn't matter if your church has an amazing youth group. It doesn't matter if they went to Sunday school. It doesn't matter if you had an awesome, charismatic, handsome pastor. You're welcome. Sandy, it's your fault. None of those things compare to the example that you are at home. None of them. None of them compare to the example that you are at home. So be a godly example for your children. I want to pray with you, and I want to ask you uh, to stand as we get ready to close in prayer. I really felt impressed to pray for our parents today because, let's just be honest, we're living in a world where it's not easy to raise your children in godliness. It's not, but I believe in the power of prayer, and I want to pray for parents, and especially for parents who are in the place of feeling like, my kids are too far gone. They're grown, or they've decided their own way, or they've gone off in their, I want to pray for your kids, because there is always hope. There's always hope, and as we pray for our kids, we'll see the hope of Jesus realized in their lives. So let's pray. God, right now, I just pray for the parents in this room. God, there's a struggle to be a parent every single day. There's the guilt of not feeling like you're doing it right. There's the guilt of feeling like you've made too many mistakes. God, I pray that you would just encourage each of these parents in here. They have the opportunity to display your character to the children in their lives. For their kids, God, they can be godly. They can be merciful and compassionate and gracious. They can be loving and kind. God, we as parents are called to to embody the love of Christ for the world around us. For grandparents in here, God, who just are so concerned that their kids may not be serving you or that their grandkids are not serving you, God, would you draw us to a place of prayer that we believe in the power of it, that it's not some weak tool, that it's not some last cause idea, that it is the reality that the power of prayer moves and changes things. God, I pray that you would speak into the lives of our children. Lord, as we look today, we see that our enemy is desperately after this generation of children. He is desperately trying to draw them away from you and from godliness. And Lord, the only thing I can take from that is that you must have an incredible plan for them. And so God, I pray that you would give us the ability to be the godly example that we need to be for our children, not just on Sunday, not just on Wednesday, but in every action, every attitude, every deed, leading our children to your heart, God, helping them to see how much you love, and that faith in you is not just a part of us. It is everything that we are. God, I pray that you would forgive us if we've made mistakes. We know that we have. I pray that you would forgive us, God, because we don't always get it right. But you're not depending on us. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak into the hearts of your people, into the hearts of your children, and draw them to your heart, God. And Lord, we thank you that you have a plan and that we can have peace because of your goodness, Lord. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You are Jesus to your kids. Display the love of God in every way that you can. Our prayer team will be up here at the front. If you need prayer for anything this morning, they would love to meet with you and pray with you. Lord, bless you. Love on one another and encourage each other. God is good.